All right, if you'll look now in uh, your word, uh, the Bible, in Hosea chapter 5. And God willing, we'll be expounding verses 3 through 5. Hosea chapter 5, verses 3 through 5. And lest I forget, uh, for the ladies, join with us as we learn to be His instrument. This is a wonderful ladies' conference coming up here at our church, May 20th, from 10 a.m. to 12.30, here at the Fellowship Hall, what to bring a friend and brunch food. A friend and brunch food. I tell you what, I don't believe in all this perversion today. It makes me almost want to identify as a woman so I can come. But uh, <clears throat> y'all know I'm kidding. But a uh, friend and brunch food. And uh, if you have not received... One of these invitations, and see my wife, Miss Tammy, over there, and she'll be glad to get you one. Hosea chapter 5, verse 3 through 5, the title of the message this morning is, America is not hid from me. America is not hid from me. As we're going verse by verse through this wonderful book of Hosea, I tell you what, I enjoyed teaching Sunday school this morning about the salvation of Jesus, but uh, I tell you what, uh, there is nothing... Uh, like, uh, like the salvation of Jesus. But uh, uh, I'm sorry, my, my wife is reminding me that uh, I need to remind you all that we have uh, uh, dinner on the grounds next week. I'm sorry, my head's still foggy, and uh, just bear with me. And God willing, next week I'll, I'll be back to normal, which is almost normal like everybody is. But dinner on the grounds next week. But last week we saw that God held the priests, the people, and the princes accountable. As I was teaching about the grace of Jesus next door this morning in Sunday school, that's fun stuff. That's wonderful stuff to teach you about. The book of Hosea is wonderful to teach, but it's heavy. It's very heavy. And, you know, we, we need both. And I love going verse by verse through the Bible because you don't miss anything. You're getting all you need in your spiritual diet. But again, last week we saw that God held the priests, the people, and the princes accountable for Israel's sinful condition. The people couldn't point their self-righteous fingers at the priests, nor could the priests blame the princes and then blame each other. Everybody was wrong for the condition of their sinful nation. So everybody was accountable to God because of it. And now continuing this same theme in our verses today, God says, if you'll look in verse 3, I know Ephraim. I know Ephraim. Now remember, Ephraim was a man. And the man here represented the nation of Israel being its first king after they split from those two tribes of Judah. So Ephraim was a man and Israel was a nation. But prophetically, they both represent the same thing. Except when we hear the name Ephraim, being a man, we can think of the individuals that make up that nation collectively. And God said, I know Ephraim. I know him. I know what he's like. I know his heart. And when I read this, I couldn't help but think of all the political propaganda that we are seeing these days, all the social propaganda that we are seeing these days. Do you ever get the feeling... That when you're watching television or listening to the radio or watching commercials, that somebody is not conspiring to influence the way we think about sin in this nation. 
they're trying to normalize that which is ungodly. They're trying to get us to accept it. They're trying to uh, use this propaganda machine that we have, a very strong machine in our nation these days. I'm talking about inspirational videos that are produced by our government that contain shameless, outright lies. I've seen them. It's very common to see crooked politicians stand in front of the TV camera and they will accuse their opponents, their political opponents, of the very thing they're doing. It's like narcissism. If y'all ever known a narcissist, they will... Boy, if you haven't, man, you're, you've been blessed. I've dealt with it. Let's say that I'm doing A to Brother Shepherd. A is bad, and I'm doing that to Brother Shepherd. And so what I do, I then confront Brother Shepherd, and I accuse him of doing A to me. It's a manipulative mind game. But I see them doing this all the time. Come out and blaming they're more conservative opponents of committing the frauds and the crimes and the outrages that they themselves are committing. Joe Biden announced last week his, in his bid for re-election for president that the choice between him and a Republican for president was a choice for either more freedom or less freedom. It makes you want to pull your hair out. If you get my, a Republican, you're going to have less freedom. You get me, you're going to have more freedom. That's the decision you have to make. It's the exact opposite, and we all know it. The man who wanted to keep uh, businesses locked down, the man who wanted to force people to take a vaccine against their will, the person who wants to force people to buy electric cars, the man who wants to take your gas ovens out of your house, and deny you the right to protect yourself with a semi-automatic weapon. You know, we've got several of those in here right now. That's the person who's telling us he'll give you more freedom. You know, it's easy to spot these hypocrites. But many gullible people are fooled by people like him all the time. Many gullible people are fooled. But God's not fooled. The president can stand in front of the camera and lie. But God knows Joe Biden. He says, I know Ephraim. I know him. The news media can stand in front of the camera and lie. But God knows the anchor man and the anchor woman. The false preachers can stand in the pulpit here and they can lie to you and they can lie to their massive audience that they have accumulated and that send them the money. But God knows them too. These people can fool the world, but they can't fool God. God knows their lying, wicked, deceitful heart and He is keeping record of it all. God said, I know Ephraim, look back in your text, and Israel is not hid from me. They're not hid from me. Recently, the Budweiser Beer Company. How many of y'all drink Budweiser? I'm kidding with you. You better not. I don't even want to go there. I know what to preach on next Sunday. <clears throat> but recently, the Budweiser Beer Company endorsed the transgender lifestyle. Y'all familiar with that? That controversy recently? 
They endorsed the transgender lifestyle, and they angered a whole lot of people by doing so. As part of a very expensive advertisement campaign, they put a transgender man, we'd call it transvestite when I was growing up, they put a transgender man on a beer can. They wanted to honor that freakish, perverted lifestyle, but the public at large was angered at them for doing so. So, so do you know what they did? Y'all know what they did? I noticed it real fast. They quickly made another television commercial using a beautiful Clydesdale horse. Y'all see that? Y'all watched it. You can't, can't trick us, all right? We're watching this happen. Beautiful Clydesdale horse just trotting across America with an old-fashioned patriotic theme. It's like someone at Budweiser said, Man, the queer didn't work. Quick, let's get the horse back. We're losing money. You know? That's what happened. And you know what? Fickle, vain Americans will be appeased by this empty token. And they'll start drinking their beer again. All because of some pretty Clydesdale horse. But you know what we learned in our scripture this morning? God says, I know Ephraim. Israel, you're not hid from me. God's saying that I see through all that hypocrisy. All the pretty horses can't hide the ugly hearts that stand behind them. God doesn't look on the outward appearance. Where does the Bible say God looks? God says, I look on the heart. All the pretty horses, fancy speeches, marketing campaigns, and inspirational videos can't hide from God the hearts that are hell-bent on rebelling against Him and defying the natural order of His creation here in this country and around the world. When God says, I know Ephraim, and Israel's not hid from me, God is letting us know that one day all the TV cameras will come down, all the cleverly written speeches will come to an end, and all the foolery, mockery, and dishonesty will cease because God's going to remove their mask and expose their selfish, rebellious, hidden agenda for all the world to see. All going to be brought to light. God's going to judge it as He should. I know them, says God. They can't fool me. I'm so thankful that even though they may be able to fool the majority, they can't fool God. There will be a day of reckoning, saints. God is going to make this right. God said, look now in your text, For now, O Ephraim, thou committest whoredom. For now, O Ephraim, thou committest whoredom. He says, I know you, Ephraim. I'll know you. You know why? Because I know you're committing whoredom. Boy, don't you just love it how God tells it like it is. There's no sugarcoating here. He didn't say, well, you're backslidden, Ephraim. He didn't say, well, Ephraim, you know what? Your walk with me, you know, your, your relationship with Jesus isn't what it should have been. He's not doing that. He said, you're committing whoredom. That's what you're doing, Ephraim. God tells it like it is. God's not worried about offending the wrong people. God doesn't participate in political correctness. 
God's not worried about what ungodly people have to say about him. And you know what? Neither should we. God's not afraid that someone's going to accuse him of not loving people. God just comes right out and tells it like it is. Ephraim, you commit whoredom. Now, Christian, we can't go wrong imitating God. I'll tell you where I think the church went wrong a long time ago. In fact, I know they went wrong a long time ago. A long time ago, the church went wrong by not calling sin for what it really is. By by sidestepping issues, sensitive issues in the church. Listen, there is no sensitive issues with God. God just comes out and tells it. Do you know what people need? People need the truth. Pastors quit preaching against divorce because they had so many divorced people in the church. You know what that did? It caused more divorced people. (laughs) They quit preaching against sensitive things. Andy Stanley. I tell you, Charles Stanley was a fine man of God. But his son Andy, what is he? He wants wants his church to be a place where the homosexuals can come and serve too, you know. We all need a part. The Pope believes the same thing and all that. No. We need to be able to look them in the eye and out of love. God loved Ephraim. Don't get God wrong. He loved Ephraim. Ephraim's problem was they weren't loving themselves. They didn't love God. You tell someone the truth, they say, you don't love me. You're a hater. No. You hate God and you hate His truth. You're the hater. A person who loves you is going to tell you the truth. If they care about you, they're going to tell you the truth. And we sidestep what we think are sensitive issues or culturally divisive or whatever. I tell you what, this church is culturally divisive. Do you know why? Because Jesus said, don't think I came to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. I'm going to set mothers against their, their, their family, and, and, and I'm not quoting it all right, but I'm going to separate everybody because the truth divides. And as long as we're standing on the truth, it's going to separate people. People are going to come in here. They're going to hear the truth. They're going to say, ooh, ouch. You know, my, my, I've got a son that's homosexual. I don't want him teaching against homosexuality. That's offensive, you know. And then it's going to leave the church. That's fine. Because I'm not trying to come to bring people together. I'm trying to bring sinful people back to God through His Son, Jesus. And the only way to do that is through teaching right and wrong according to God's law so people can know they're sinners and they need a Savior to deliver them from it. That's the only way that we can do it. God says, I know you, Ephraim. You're committing whoredom. Christians, you can't go wrong imitating God. We need to be like Him. We need to tell it like it is. Here's a kingdom truth for you this morning. He who shades the truth to appear polite denies the world what can make it right. He who shades the truth to appear polite denies the world what can make it right. God said, Ephraim, you commit whoredom. Look back in your text now. And Israel is defiled. The people got caught up in idolatry. Now the nation was defiled, soiled polluted. And this was not a temporary situation. Remember God had told Ephraim in the previous verses, he said Ephraim is joined to idols. And we saw that was the same uh, 
Hebrew word talking about being joined like a man joined to his wife. He's joined to idols. I mean, the Israelites were wholly given over to them. God said, look if you would in verse 4 now. They will not frame their doings to turn unto their God. They will not frame their doings to turn unto their God. The Hebrew word translated frame here, it's the same word that God used when he gave Adam the trees for food. He said, of every green herb and every tree of the garden I have given you, God framed every green herb. He framed the trees for them to eat. It's the same Hebrew word. In other words, God designated the herbs for them to eat. God designated and, and, and ordained the, the, the trees to be food for those people, but the people would not designate themselves to be obedient to their God. When I get up in the morning, a lot of times I'll roll my feet, I'll sit on the bed, and I'll say, Lord, I present my body to you, a living sacrifice today, holy and acceptable unto you. Help me not to be conformed to this world, to be transformed by the, by the renewing of my mind, that I may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. What am I doing when I'm doing that? I'm taking the Scripture, and I'm agreeing with it, and I'm saying, God, I am framing myself as your servant. As God designated those herbs to be the people's food, God has designated you and me to be His servants, His people, His disciples. The problem is Israel would not frame their works to come to their God. They just would not do it. They were not going to give in. They were not going to be obedient. They were not going to accept the position that God created them to occupy as men and women. Instead, they designated or assigned their bodies to be servants of idols, servants of their own fleshly lusts. Why? Look back in your text. For the spirit of whoredoms is in the midst of them. The spirit of whoredoms, that is the, the uh, sexual, not sexual, but the spiritual whoredoms. We've looked at that before as, as we're in this passage. But basically, they were committing harlotry on God. They were not faithful to God as a wife should have been. Instead of being true spiritually to their God, they were being unfaithful to Him, running around on Him, and being uh, sleeping, if you would, with these idols. That's, it's, a, it's a sexual way of describing a spiritual problem. And so the spirit of whoredoms is in the midst of them. They had given themselves over to the influence of an unholy spirit, the spirit of whoredoms. Now, if you know anything about the devil, then you know that the devil is a creator or a counterfeiter. He's a counterfeiter, isn't he? The devil doesn't create anything. The devil only counterfeits and corrupts what God has created. Okay, God does the creation, the devil then counterfeits, and by counterfeit it, he corrupts the original design. God was God. The devil says, I shall be like the Most High, and I'll have my angels under me. What did he do? He just counterfeited what God created, and by doing so, he corrupted it, and with corruption comes death or damnation. That's why there's a lake of fire that burns for the devil and his angels. 
And now, when Satan came here and he got Adam to follow him and to, 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 to do his own way, and now the devil has created another counterfeit, and it's the counterfeit of, of the kingdom. You remember what Jesus said when he was here? My kingdom is not of this world. What? He created the world. He created the world. Remember the devil? The devil took Jesus up to an exceeding high mountain. And he showed him all the kings of the world, the glory of them. And he said, all these I will give you if you'll fall down and worship me. Jesus didn't say, you can't give those to me. Because he could. Why? Jesus called the devil the God of this world. Remember? The devil has counterfeited the kingdom of God. And that is called the kingdom of this world. And all these little sub-kingdoms are part of it. <clears throat> That's why in the book of the Revelation, when Jesus comes again, and he conquers the enemy, and he bruises the serpent's head, we see the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ. And he shall reign forever. But in the meantime, there is a counterfeit kingdom, which is a corrupt kingdom, which means it's a dying kingdom. And this is what's happening here. They had committed the, the spirit of, uh, they were under the influence of the spirit of whoredoms, the ungodly spirit of the devil. They had joined into the kingdom of corruption, the kingdoms of this world, and the God that rules over them, the devil, little g. They were filled with devils. And we're given over to demonic influences. Do you know why people do some of the things they do? Do you know why people mutilate their bodies in the name of beauty? While they poke holes in themselves? Do you know why, why, you know why people do that stuff? Do you know why people sleep around with men, sleep around with other men? I tell you what. You tell, you tell me I'm wrong. When you have a homosexual man... Can you not look in his eyes and see something different? Can you not see something different? That's the devil. That is an unholy spirit. It is the spirit of whoredoms. People in this world to get under the influence of, of demonic spirits. And it drives them to do things that the animal kingdom wouldn't even think about doing to themselves. In the New Testament, you see a man who's possessed with devils. He's living in a cemetery. He's obsessed with death. And he's mutilating himself all the time. And he's naked. You know what we see all the time? You see people, they get obsessed with death as well. You know what rock bands like to do? Sing about death. That's why people like to have skulls and stuff like that. Uh, on, on things, that they get obsessed with death. Israel was under the influence of an unholy spirit. America is as well. They were not about to give up. They were not about to turn their idol worship uh, from their idol worship to go back to God. I heard someone the other day talk about someone who, who prays, Sanctify me, O God, but not now. They're so in love with their sin, they'd rather die with their sin than live without it. That's the way Israel was. That's the way people are today. They would rather die in their sin than live without it. 
A person cannot believe in Jesus as their Savior and at the same time reject the salvation He came to give. It just cannot be done. They would not frame their ways to come to God. No man can serve two masters, Jesus said. So it was impossible for these Israelites to come to God because they refused to leave their idols behind. Say, so Brother Richard, how can that happen? How, how can they not come to God and keep their idols at the same time? Because no one, no one can believe in the one true God while believing in many other gods. It's just not possible. It's not logical. It's not true. So instead of serving the Holy Spirit of God, they serve the unholy spirits of these worthless idols. Look back in your text. And they have not known the Lord. If you ever look at people today and you think, Dear God, why? Why would someone keep smoking a meth pipe when their skin's breaking out and their teeth are rotting out? Why would someone give themselves over to such debauchery that we see today and harm themselves and their families and spread sexually transmitted diseases among each other? Why would they do it? The spirit of whoredoms is in the midst of them. That's why. It's the devil, folks. He's real. He says, and they have not known the Lord. That's what God said. They've not known the Lord. Jesus said one day people will be trying to talk their way into God's kingdom. And Jesus will say, I never knew you. These people didn't know the Lord. They had no knowledge of His redeeming truth because they embraced their idolatrous lies. I want you to take your pens, please, as we begin to close and underscore the words, they have not known the Lord. They have not known the Lord. <clears throat> now, I want you to notice what the text does not say. The text does not say they no longer know the Lord. The text does not say they once knew the Lord. The text says they have not known the Lord. Meaning they never knew God. They never knew Him. Jesus will say, I never knew you. He won't say, I once knew you, but now I don't. I forgot who you are. He didn't say, we once knew each other, but now we don't. He said, I never knew you. They were not once saved because they did not once know God. Does that make sense? They were never saved because they never Knew him. And now in closing, God said, verse 5, And the pride of Israel doth testify to his face. The pride of Israel doth testify to his face. Their own stubborn unwillingness to bow the knee to their God testified against them. God said, Therefore shall Israel and Ephraim fall in their iniquity. They had no excuse. They had willingly rejected their God, stubbornly opposed His prophet's rebuke, and committed to their own way of going against the truth. They knowingly exchanged the truth of God for a lie, as the Apostle Paul described it. Therefore, they would fall in the sin that they had willingly chosen. And God said, Their sister kingdom Judah the more conservative of the two, 
would also fall as well. Look back in your text. Judah also shall fall with them. Judah also shall fall with them. Judah would fall because of Israel's idolatrous influence. Judah knew better. Judah knew Israel was wrong. But Israel was the majority. And after watching Israel's behavior, their wicked behavior for so long a time, they finally, after watching them, took part in what they observed. I'm sure the younger people in Judah were talking about how antiquated the Bible was back in, back in their day. They said, well, look, look at Israel up there. They're the modern people. They're the progressive people. Look at what they're coming around to. They're accepting all these other different ideas, the different religions and things like this. And here we are stuck back in this old mosaic, archaic religion. We need to get, catch up with the times, man. They've been saying that the whole time. I'm sure they wanted to be fashionable, trendy. So they followed the larger popular crowd of Israel. Similar to how Texas will follow what they see in New York when they watch New York television productions and California movies. They'll watch it. They'll be conservative for a while. The other people will be uh, more liberal, but eventually by being exposed to it over and over and over again, they just creep right along, creep right along, creep right along until finally they're in the same position of judgment of the people they followed. And they both fall together. That's what God's describing here. Judah didn't produce the sin. They just subscribed to it. You see? And because they did, they fell just like Israel. Here's the kingdom truth. Those who participate in sin are just as guilty as those who produce it. Those who participate in sin are just as guilty as those who produce it. Judah would fall just like Israel. Even though Israel was the one who gave the bad example. Brother Richard, what are you getting at? When I was a highway patrolman, I used to arrest people. And you know what they'd do? They'd always blame their circumstances on somebody else. They still doing that, Brother Shepherd? They're still doing it. Brother Shepard's still putting people in jail. What you need to do next time you arrest someone, you need to say, I know the Ephraim. You need to tell him, yeah. But I arrested a man one time, and he said, you know why I do what I do? I said, why? Because I saw my daddy do it. Like I'm supposed to feel sorry for him. You know what? You're going to fall just like your daddy. You may not have produced the sin, but you subscribe to it. Every one of us, when we grow up, regardless of the influence on our lives, you know what, when we grow up, guess who's accountable? We are. We get to be men and women, or even even before then, when we get to grow up and we have the knowledge of what's right and wrong, how many of y'all have lived different than, than some of your parents did? Almost everybody in here. We all get to a certain point. We realize, you know what? That's wrong. Or we realize, thank God for the godly influence God's given me. I'm going to step in those footsteps. But either way, we have to make the choice 
People say we're a product of our environment. And I understand the influence of the environment. But you know what? Adam and Eve were not a product of their environment. So that doesn't hold water. Adam and Eve had a perfect environment and they still sinned against God. Jesus had an imperfect environment in the wilderness in front of the devil and he still obeyed God. It doesn't matter if you produce the sin or if you subscribe to the sin, you both will fall because of the sin. And so we need to take heed as people in the conservative states what we watch and allow in our, t- in our bedrooms on television, what we go to the movies and see, what we subscribe to, don't get your life influence from the productions of the world around you. You get your life influence from God's precious Word. And you stand on it and you live in it until Jesus comes again. You cannot fall in sin if you're standing on the Word of God. With that, we'll go ahead and close. Man, I've enjoyed preaching this morning. I love God's Word, don't you? Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much this morning. We're so thankful that you didn't leave us in darkness. We're so thankful that when the nations are falling around us and there's perversion, corruption, there's deceit and lies and propaganda, you cut through all of it. You say, I know you people. Here's what's wrong. Here's why you won't come to me. Here's what you need to do. Here's the consequence if you don't. Thank you, God, for always telling us the truth, for never shading it, but loving us and giving us the plain, clear light so we can see. Help us, Lord, to walk therein. We ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen.